What is up, PTT listeners? My name is Soren Povacils. I'm standing in here, my pal Ben Rikosh, and this is Paper Thin Thoughts, where we short-sighted, ill-advised, thought-provoking dimwits speak our truths on trending topics that we experience in our daily lives. And Ben? This week, we had the pleasure of having Macon Gunter on for an amazing interview and just a note, we recorded this on March 9th, the morning. So this is before uh, Virginia men's bat played in the ACC tournament, before everything that happened on the day of March 9th. So just a disclaimer. All right. Well, without further ado, I don't want to get you. Uh, I want to get you right to the interview with Macon Gunter. Yes. We are thrilled to welcome to the show today Macon Gunter, who is the co-host of one of the most recognizable podcasts in sports media, The Greenlight Pod, and is also a real estate agent here in Charlottesville, Virginia. He worked at the University of Virginia Sports Radio Network for many years. Uh, Macon, thank you so much for taking the time to come join us this morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the introduction i've had several different lives I, yeah uh, many people might say like realtor turned podcaster but i would say realtor plus podcaster yeah i like that uh frank quayle who was our uh color analyst on the football broadcast for 27 years i think um he once said don't let anyone know or think that real estate isn't your 24 7 gig so yeah now I'm on a podcast where, um, crazily, forty thousand people a, a pop are listening, which is trippy. When we got to twenty five, I was like, "Wow, that's that's Madison Square Garden," and uh, we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, so yeah, uh, real estate is certainly the day job and and ninety nine percent of what I do. But um, it's fun to be able to pop in the studio with Chris a couple times a week and and chop it up. Yeah. Um, do you ever get a new real estate client and they're like, Hey, aren't you that guy from YouTube or something? Or, Hey, do you got, do you work with Chris Long? Something like that? That's a great question. I've actually gotten a couple of clients via Twitter DMS who are fans <laughs> of the show. Well, that's I, great. I had a, I have a client who's become a friend who, uh, lived in Ohio was UVA grad, big UVA fan, wanted to get back here in retirement with his wife and DM'd me one day. And um, that started a, a text message relationship that turned into their buying a house in Crozet not long ago. So um, it has worked out a time or two, but I think the people who see me on Twitter or YouTube making a fool of myself and decide, <laughs> I don't really wanna trust that guy with the <laughs> biggest investment of my life, I don't think they're going to call me and tell me. So it's hard to know how much business I've lost because <laughs> of being a clown on a podcast. But yeah, it has resulted in some uh, in some new relationships, which is cool. That's awesome. Well, before we get into the green light pod and maybe some UVA sports, I think Soren wanted to ask about real estate. I don't know much about sports and I'm interested in real estate. So I've got a couple questions here lined nice. up. Being, How do you determine what properties to show clients? Are they just the ones that are on the market or... Do you have like relationships with the property? Yeah, these days inventory is so low. So it's a supply and demand issue. Charlottesville is so popular. The market is so um, 
resilient. We sort of live in a bubble in the good sense of the term and that uh, it just turns over so frequently because of UVA and the hospital and people coming and going. And and now that folks can work from home, Seaville uh, is, a, is a popular place to be and a lot of UVA alums want to get back. And so uh, we're seeing plenty of, of demand and not much supply. So what we do, it's called the MLS where all of the listings are housed and uh, it's not a not a intended pun um, and uh, clients who are looking we put in certain search parameters be it size bedrooms bathrooms square footage acreage uh, their budget any must-haves or must-not-haves and then as soon as the property is listed that will pop into their inbox automatically yeah and some buyers will send me back, hey, this looks terrible. And I say, ah, don't blame me, blame the algorithm, you know? Yep. The, the dud is not on me. So uh, we sort of had an automated, um, to a degree, uh, what a buyer is going to be interested in. And then these days, as soon as something of interest pops up, you got to go see it. Uh, we're, we're seeing multiple offers on the same day a property is listed. and. Mm-hmm and homes going for above asking price. We thought that might change a little bit with interest rates rising, but it hasn't so much. Um, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's still a, a really, uh, it's a seller's market. It's becoming more balanced, more healthy. Uh, some houses are taking price reductions and, and buyers are having a bit more time to think on things, but uh, it's still pretty fast and furious. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a roundabout way of answering your your question and with that high demand is what's the what's the hardest part about closing a sale or getting people to latch on to the insane prices here in Charlottesville yeah it's just that it's the competition it, it only takes two for something to to bust somebody's budget you know um, um, I think people who are new to the market and they see an interest rate at five and a half or six percent and they look at what they can afford and they say, okay, great. It's the people who have been in the market a couple of years who saw a 3% interest rate and they could afford a lot more house. The million dollar house they could afford is now more like the $750,000 house. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, uh, I think you can fall in love with a place and then, and then it, it's just one other party that comes along and says, we'll give you 25 grand over and it changes the calculus a little bit. We have escalator clauses in real estate where you can say, give you X for your house, but I'll beat the next highest offer by say 5,000 bucks Mm -hmm. up to a cap. And these escalators can trigger each other. And before you know it, a house is going for a hundred thousand dollars over asking price. So it's, um, it's, it's fun, man. I love real estate. I love, um, I, I love the happy client at the closing table the most. That sounds really corny, but it's true. Mm-hmm. That's what's most gratifying, but there is a lot of competition to it. And, um, uh, winning is fun. Yeah. Uh, putting together the puzzle is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I've seen a few different markets now. I've been in it about 12 or 13 years. And, um, the, the one thing that's held true is that Charlottesville is a popular place. Yeah. And with every job, there's always like roadblocks in real estate. If you're not selling or there's no properties on the market for you to get a hold of, are there any emotional setbacks that can set in or is it just 
just wait for the next one. It's such an emotional process. And I think every buyer and every seller is different. Some are um, laid back. Some are very much not. Um, and, and everybody's lives are different. Some folks need to be in something in, in two months, and that's a hard plane to land. Um, others want to wait for the right thing, and, and they're either in a spot they really like or they're renting, and they have the flexibility to sit back and wait. Um, I, I will say in the last couple of years in this what we've called the COVID market, for better or worse, we've seen a lot of folks with their eyes wide open, quote unquote, overpaying for something. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't love the value, but we do love the house. Lenders are fond of saying, date the rate, marry the house, which is um, Mm. quite, quite clever. Um, But I haven't, I've yet to see a buyer lose money on an investment in Seville. So some people um, after setback after setback after setback we we talk about the fair price of a place and then we talk about what it's going to take to actually secure the place and beat out the competition and um it it can take some people um a, a week to wrap their heads around that mm-hmm. and others a lot longer and and so everybody's different but you're right to talk about emotions um um it's a great big investment excuse me and um I have a seller who's on the market today and I sent him a text a couple of days ago to say, fair warning, there's a for sale sign that's just been placed in your yard by me. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, they, they appreciated my saying that because you drive up and see the for sale sign for the first time in the house where your kids grew up. And it's, it's sad. It's, yeah. um, it's, um, it, it can be really sad. So, and a shock to the system. Um, but yeah, managing all those things is, is fun. I, um, and I really like the one-on-one interaction and getting to know people. Yeah. And you said, uh, price rises after post, like getting the house. Are you seeing a lot more renovations on houses that would just drive that value up in the future? Yes and no. It's hard to get people to come work on your place these days. Um, my, one of my favorite contractors is a year out, uh, no matter the scale of the job. So yeah, we, we coach, uh, homeowners on what's going to bring the most value in terms of renovating. Um, it's usually things like kitchens and bathrooms. People, um, like to see those up to date because they can be big ticket items. You wouldn't believe what cabinets cost. Um, tiles too, for that matter and, and counters. Um, but yeah, are seeing a fair amount of people, um, stay put, improve where they are just because this market is so competitive right now. Yeah. And Charlottesville is probably one of the most lucky places to start out real estate. Is there anywhere in the world, maybe it's like a favorite place or a famous place to begin real estate that you would want to go to and start there if you didn't have Charlottesville? If I didn't have Charlottesville, I don't know if I can, uh, if I can wrap my head around that. <laughs> I was, I was born in central Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I live in Seville. I never leave Seville. Yeah. I think the last time I was on a plane was 2019 to the orange bowl in Miami. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and I just love it here. I think Seville is a very similar market to some of the 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 Austins of the world, uh, Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, Nashville is obviously much bigger, but um, similar in in terms of desirability. Uh, if I could if I could pick anywhere, um, I would want to go to a little place called London, England, because mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm an Anglophile. Um, if I'm in the States, um, I have, I actually have, I've never been to Austin. I think Nashville's great. Um, um, Chicago is great. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say Chapel Hill just because I'm, nope, don't I was, say that. I was born and raised to not like those folks. It is a pretty cool town. It's very comparable to Seville. Um, I've, I've, I've grown to uh respect the school at least not like it by any means um and now that they've gotten it figured out where the athletes actually have to go to class um i respect them even more um it's a really good question i've i haven't given you a good answer um uh give me austin texas just because it's it's a comparable tacos yeah yeah, yeah, tacos yeah i think that'll wrap up my real estate inquiries um Thank you for answering those questions. Yeah, great questions. I appreciate them. I have a quick follow-up for the real estate. Yeah. Do you prefer representing the buyer or the seller? Terrific question. Um, buyer by a hair, and that's only because um, I'm I'm working a lot more. Um, I'm much more in control. Mm-hmm. Um, what goes into representing a seller is is getting it ready for market, and then you hit go. And then it's really out of your control. Um, and you you make the marketing materials uh, really good looking and compelling. And um, you get the house ready to go. And, and um, you know, that, that, that takes a lot of work. And you can do it right or you can do it wrong. But with buyers, it's just, um, it's, it's more of a grind. It's more of that putting the, the puzzle together. Um, and though it can take years for some folks um i just like it because there's more a sense of okay we're we're calling more of the shots here don't get me wrong in this market when you have a house to sell and uh you you activate it on a thursday and you say hey monday at five we're going to review offers and there are five of them and they're all above asking price yeah that's a pretty fun time but uh i'm also um a sensitive emotional guy and it's not a fun time to call four other agents and say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Your amazing offer is not being <laughs> selected. That's a bit of a bummer. Um, but I, I do both. I'd say the breakdown's probably 60, 40 buyers for me. Um, but you, you can't go wrong. All right. Well, cool. Thank you. I'll give an anecdotal little thing too, because sure. Macon is my real estate agent, and it's it's more than just the actual sale and then wipe the hands and done. Like years after Macon, uh, we closed on our house. Like Macon still sends updates about our neighborhood, about transactions that happen, and just, like he knows we're not necessarily looking, but he also knows like this is what their future plans are down the line, and so he's always just kind of like sending me things when he sees something and 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 thinks, hey. 
Dave might actually just want to see this. And it's that's just like the little details of like just the relationships that he's talking about, that emotional side to things. Like he knows what we're looking for and he knows like emotionally like where we're going to be on certain things. And so send us that information. Just be like just keeping you up to date. This is what's what. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I was with Dave. I was stack guy on the radio network um, more so than anything else. And I see all the data every day. So it's, it's secondhand to me, but yeah, if, if you bought a house for X and two doors down, they just sold for hundred K more than that. I'd want to two years later. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'd want to know that information and, and feel good about my property value. So, yeah. um, yes, thank you for the kind words. There you go. Right. Uh, well, I kind of want to switch gears to your secondary career here. Uh, the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so to anyone that has not ever listened to or heard of green light pod can you give a quick elevator pitch on what it is not just two guys chopping it up about nfl um three times a week uh what is it to you what is it to me i'm afraid it's that um because (laughs) if it were if it were more than that i would i would psych myself out and um and and be nervous about it um we have uh it's a it's a sports and pop culture podcast and and there are only several thousand of those out there these days um but i i do it with uh chris long of um what i still like to think of st louis rams fame but he he got a couple super bowls with dave's pads first one was with the pads and for some reason he's only remembered for the eagles win which i'm resentful of just a little bit i mean you you know why it's because of the it's because of the underdog Thing. Well, and we came back from a twenty-eight to three deficit to win that Super Bowl. I think underdog, like Chris, um, Chris is a is a really smart guy, and he realized that you all have a bunch of Super Bowls. Correct. Philly did not, Correct. and um, he knew that that those people would would remember that he's just one on the shelf in New England as opposed right. to an icon in Philly. And also, I respect the two city choices because I actually see like a pretty big kinship between Philly and Boston, both in their fanships. Just the, 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 the culture of the people can be rather surly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he had he had several different options when he was looking and landed on New England and in part because he knew there was a good chance of, of winning, but you know, wanting to go play for the best coach ever and yeah. and be in the same locker room as the best player ever. I mean it It's appeal. It's yeah, an appealing thing. He he lined that up pretty well. Um but uh Chris and I met when we were about ten years old. Um, and we've been best buddies now for 26 years. That's fast math. And, um, he, um, he's just, uh, really thoughtful, hardworking guy who wanted to do this, had a pretty clear vision about it and it's just worked his tail off. Um, and he's, uh, he's so well-liked in that arena that that people are excited to pop on and and talk to him and I'm just sort of along for the ride but but we have guests from Matthew McConaughey and John Hamm in the entertainment world to Charles Barkley in the in the sports world to uh, Bill Simmons and um, Big Cat and PFT in the podcast world and it's just really, it's, it's, it's really neat. Um, I sort of have to 
put blinders on so as not to psych myself out when Charles Barkley pops on the Zoom screen. And Yeah, you're kind of getting to my next question here. Do you have a favorite or most memorable guest appearance on the show? I think it's, it's Barkley in terms of um, name recognition for me personally. He's just such a... Uh, you, you don't even need to talk about who Charles Barkley is. People know who Charles Barkley is. But I grew up with him playing and, and now... You see what he's done in his media career, and he's a bit of a a lightning rod. Um, guy speaks his mind and is highly entertaining. And um, we were in Minneapolis for the 2019 Final Four, and Barkley was there for the, the coverage of the t- but had also um, just watched Virginia beat Auburn, his school. Um, I, I don't even want to go into whether that was controversial or not. I, I <laughs> have to think it, it it was not. But we walk in after the national championship. Um, um, we finish up our radio broadcast. Um, I've been crying, as as Dave can attest to. I I I cry at sporting events. And um, but Chris waits for me after we're done with the radio. And for whatever reason, Minneapolis sort of shut down. Um, and and. Uh, not in a good way the the bars were not open we couldn't we couldn't party like we thought we were going to but then chris gets a text and he says oh uh charles is at the hyatt and he's going to keep that lobby open and i said cool cool uh who's charles <laughs> and uh he said barkley and i said oh okay nice here we go i'm i'm living a a a dream right now and so we get in there and barkley sees chris and he stands up and um there are a few of us in the group and he starts going wahoo 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 (laughs) and he's trying to say wahoo wah he doesn't quite have it down um but he's just that guy he's so gregarious and fun loving and he was holding court with you know about probably a hundred people sitting all around him and he's just the center of attention not because he wants to be just because um he's he's magnetic like that he's around so, mountain rebound exactly and so after that um in the in a year i don't know maybe a year later we had him on the show and um he was great he's probably at the top of my list if i can give you a second who doesn't have quite the same name recognition yeah. yet is uh, randy scott who's a espn uh sports center anchor um who is a huge fan of our show, which just mm-hmm. blows my mind. I mean, Sports Center growing up was um was the end all be all for yeah. me. And um so to have an anchor uh like us and reference the things we say is is trippy. And Chris just went to Tanzania to climb Kilimanjaro and for the first time in four years he trusted me to host my own show. I saw that, yeah. And um so we got Tate Frazier on to talk some college hoops and then that was a good episode I watched yeah yeah thanks and and Randy to talk about his life really we didn't talk a whole lot about sports um but um he's had um um a really interesting career arc and a really interesting uh last few years personally and so that was that was really neat just to have um just to talk to uh uh a fan of ours who has such a big audience himself. I saw after the Orange Bowl, he mentioned you or somebody on Sports Center mentioned you on the top ten. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, Van Pelt uh, is a is a really good uh, friend of Chris's. 
Um, Stanford Steve, um, his right-hand man, is on our show throughout the football season. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there have been a couple references to to Macon. Granted, it's in the context of um, Chris's buddy, which I, I'm not complaining <laughs> about. But, yeah, um, hearing, hearing my name – on Sports Center, and I'll rewind it and show my wife, and my wife couldn't care less. Um, <laughs> but I'll I'll re- I'll record it on my phone and yeah. have it. That stuff is so cool, man. That that uh that'll never get old. Yeah, that was pretty when, cool. When I saw Van Pelt call you out, because I mean, so during Virginia broadcast, like yeah. when Maryland was in the ACC, Maryland was a stop that we had to make as Virginia basketball radio broadcasters on the sure. regular. And I think Macon can attest to this: we do not appreciate that school they're playing there very often yeah and van pelt would always be sitting courtside right across from us and he and i would always make comments about like you know there's van pelt we would you know as virginia guys would be getting surly at him with he couldn't hear us we were across the court and stuff but to then all of a sudden like see van pelt like calling you out i that was a real moment for me i was just like how in the yeah this happened yeah yeah i saw with randy scott you like ranked your top three sports center hosts yeah um i think scott van pelt has to be one for me yeah, nice. Um, I even think of that as like a different show, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. It, it it very much is Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt. But back in in uh, my day, the back 90s, in our man. day, you didn't know the final score game until you saw Sports Center the next morning. Yeah. Uh, so I told Randy last week that I would, if if I would stay home from sick, I would write down every stat from the Sports Center, and then they would replay the next Sports Center an hour later. And I wouldn't mute it and then call my own sports center. I would just follow along and I would I would say, Yeah, that checks out. And indeed the magic did beat the Suns by fourteen. <laughs> and <laughs> Shaq hilarious. had thirty two, you know? Yeah. That's um, hilarious. But yeah, uh Van Pelt's great, by far my favorite uh Maryland Terrapin. Chris is especially good at, at giving him hell for the college park of it all and the couch burning and uh um I'll I should probably stop it there um <laughs> but yeah there's a friendly um there's a friendly little rivalry certainly between uh uva and maryland generally but but yeah. now us and scott um i was doing some research on your story and one part struck me specifically um it was mentioned that when you were with the virginia sports radio network you were part of your duties were to take coach bennett and other coaches um to the media room which i thought was really cool and he mentioned that after the Syracuse game in 2014, you were waiting for Jim Beheim. Congratulations on retirement, by the way. Yeah. Um, you were waiting for Jim Beheim to finish his session up, and you were just sitting there with Coach Bennett, and you had like a really cool moment. Um, what was that like, and what has Coach Bennett meant to you, and what has he taught you since interacting with him so closely over the years? Yeah. So normally the home coach goes first in those press conferences, but. Um uh, coach wanted the team to cut down the nets um, at JPJ, and and so we were taking a little longer, and they let Coach Beheim go first. And um, my job was really just to to literally walk Coach Bennett from the locker room to the media room, and then time out with our engineer, be it Dave or Vicente, and our our play-by-play guy Dave when coach was ready to take the first question so it would be carried over air uh, live on the radio Um, that was a really cool moment I I was careful not to say too much I really just 
thanked him for yeah. what he was doing for the school I I love so much. Coach is um, who he appears to be. Like he's 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 a he's a flawless guy somehow in not an annoying way. Yeah. Like he's well liked um while being Mr. Perfect. Um <laughs> which I, I think is nearly impossible to do. Um yeah, he um there have been several times in my life where I've leaned on things that he said. I mean, just look after the UMBC loss where um, you know, he, um, he said, this is, this can happen when you step into the arena, you know, every possible outcome is on the table and, um, credit to the other team tonight was not our night. Um, and this will lead to, uh, um, a bunch of adversity. This is adversity, but if you use it the right way, it can, buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gotten to any other way. And the grammar on that line is a little suspect, <laughs> uh, but the message rings really true. Yep. I just, I, um, I love that guy. I, I'm not, despite our many walks together, um, we're not terribly close, but I've, um, I've admired him both from a close distance and from afar ever since he's gotten to Seville because he just, he does it the right way, and um, yep. I I fear he's not gonna coach for his life. We, we don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> but I hope he does. I hope he does for our sake. Um, you mentioned while I was reading you you described how that ACC championship in 2014 was a turning point for this program. Besides the obvious, how was that? How did you see that become true? Besides it being the first tournament championship since the 70s. Yeah. Um, you know, it led to, um, a one seed shortly thereafter. I remember driving back from Greensboro. Um, it was March obviously and snow started it was coming snowing. down. Yeah. And, um, just based on the time of day, we were forced to listen to the selection show on the radio and we had a little caravan and I just remember, uh, I was driving and rolled down my window and just held up a number one because <laughs> we had been, a I mean, Virginia as a one seed, that's just, it's, it's mind blowing. Now what that's happened like five times since Yeah, it's, 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 it's on that drive up. Dr. Chavra and I were actually like driving right along the road with each other and just started honking our (laughs) horns while we were listening to the selection show. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. Um, I mean, you know, uh, coach Ben said and, and thanked coach Holland who we just lost for showing what Virginia basketball could be um, yeah. number one team in the country and going to the final four, which they did twice, once with Ralph and once just after. And um, yeah, you, you, you look back on that um, and, and think it could be that again. I think of a school like NC State who has two NCAA titles, but not since uh, 83, I guess it was. I don't think they've won an ACC title yeah. since 87. Those those droughts can uh, wear on you. Um, just just ask those um, those Wolfpack fans. <laughs> so it, I mean, it just it, it showed um, that that we were actually walking the walk and not just talking the talk. Um, and beating that that Duke team in the final by nine with you know the three star from the state of Washington, Joe Harris, and going up against all these McDonald's All Americans. It's just 
uh, it showed that uh, the system worked, um, um, efficient basketball on both ends of the floor. It, it works. Um, um, hard-nosed defense, defense can win in March. And I know that was a narrative for a long time that maybe it could work in March, but not necessarily early April, which is mm-hmm. where the, now where the Final Four has been pushed out to. But, um, yeah, I think it was just something that you could – a success that you could look back on um, now for as long as, as coaches here to, to show that um, it, it doesn't matter who's out on the floor. You know, the Hoosiers line where uh, Gene Hackman rolls with four guys on the floor as opposed to five. He says, my team is on the floor. Yeah. The official says, coach, you want to uh, add a fifth guy? He says, my team is on the floor, you know. And it, it, we don't need to have the the talent of all the other teams. I'm saying we like I'm uh, <laughs> still a part of this thing. Um, um, but yeah, it um, you know the the first one is uh, the first one at least in modern era is always going to be really special. It just showed what what could happen here uh, in Seville. To quote John Rothstein, Virginia basketball, a thing of beauty. A thing of beauty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, um, when it's working, when it's not working, it can be... It can be frustrating. It can be hard as a fan. <laughs> yeah, our buddy uh, Mike Slamowitz texted the other day. He says, when we lose, we lose in the least pleasant way possible. I think that might Always. have been the, <laughs> the BC game. Yeah. Um, and a sometimes lot of, the and winning a lot of times happens when we in the win. least pleasant yeah. way possible, too. It's like a win feels like a loss sometimes, just the emotional stress that goes through every once in a while. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, the... The pace thing, uh, the the critics can can miss me on that one. It's really good looking, efficient basketball on the offensive end. It, it's just that the shot clock reads four instead of fourteen when the shot goes up. Yep. yep. And whenever people get into pace, it's just like all you're doing is explaining to me that you don't really know or watch basketball. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't have to argue with you about this at all. You're just showing me that you don't actually know basketball. Yep. Yep. Um. So we can't talk about this era of Virginia basketball without talking about, you know where this is going, don't you? Probably. Yeah, my favorite guy, Kihei Clark. Nice. Yep. Good for um, you. I'm probably one of the biggest Kihei Clark fans you'll find. Um, and as divisive as he's been, I've always been a huge supporter. Um, why do you think he was so divisive for Twitter heads? And how do you think that changed over this past year? Yeah. Um you know, I, I think it's nothing that Kihei ever did wrong, for crying out loud. He was the first-year point guard on a national title team. Made the greatest pass in Marsh Madness history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Virginia doesn't have that championship without Kihei Clark. So I'm a big fan as well. I, um, You know, he's he's not a tall guy, and yet he's relied on in late shot clock situations to get to the rim and sometimes his shot is blocked sometimes the the layup attempt falls off the rim because he has to put a little english on it or or shoot it quick you've yep. seen this one where he starts the ball about about his hip um and i don't know i guess that can that can grind on fans but um uh, he, and you know uh committed to uc davis it wasn't um, the decommitment from Kentucky or Carolina or Duke. Um, and he followed in the footsteps of um, some 
beloved point guards like London Parentes. I think that was the biggest one was that I think fans just got used to four years of London Parentes and was just like, well, Kihei is supposed to be exactly like that guy. Right. And when he wasn't exactly like London, fans are like, well, this isn't going to work. Right. And, th- and then next year when we don't have Kihei, fans are going to the same thing. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. And and Ty Jerome's mixed in there too, who's sure. getting uh, a course. lot of minutes with the Warriors. So I just think, I don't know, I, I again, diminutive stature, um, not quite the it's easy to pick on the point guard yeah and he he wasn't the reliable scorer the really early in his career now he is i mean he's he's that guy man i i love kihei he's got the heart of a champion um he's not intimidated by anybody he'll he'll take on all comers no matter their size i'm with you um i i love kihei i think people maybe with this year with the extra year that he could or could not have taken um they saw the potential of of Reese Beekman, and um, I think the question was, could the ceiling be higher without Kihei? Maybe the floor is higher too, but could the ceiling be higher without him? I think that answer is no. Um, I think if Virginia has a shot to to go deep in in either of these tournaments, it's going to be because of Kihei. Definitely. Um, I'll say it one more time publicly: put zero in the rafters. No question about it. Zero should be hanging from JPJ rafters. The only thing I'll say about that is I think we need to get rid of retiring numbers. We need to retire the jersey. Interesting. But I don't want I don't want a high school kid. Now you guys are the are the TikTok generation. I don't want a kid not coming to Virginia because he can't wear the number zero and he's he's in love with the number zero. So I would want to make every number available, even fifty, which might sound blasphemous. But I think you can wear whatever number you want to wear. But yeah, we can keep hanging the the I jersey with that the name before. on top. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess 15's off the table now with Malcolm. Mm-hmm. I just um, three is a popular number that can't be worn. I think we need to make the numbers available. I, I, yeah, I think that you know at least one guy from the championship team, the national championship team, should be honored. And by the UVA conditions, the big three can't be so. Kihei fits the bill. Yeah, yeah. Kihei might. Yeah, Virginia wants you to to wait. Kihei might have several degrees here. I was going to say Kihei might over. be the only player who has like six seasons yeah, played, right? PhD Kihei Clark. Have we found out if Kihei's coming back next year? Yeah, too? sure. I, hope so. I think that's the NCAA is just going to carve out a Kihei Clark clause. <laughs> I think that's no. Kihei can just come play college until he's thirty-five. Um, well, we asked Zach Carey this question when we had him on the show a few months ago, but I'm curious to hear what you would think. Which Wahoo? do you think is the next NBA all-star could be on a current roster could be on the UVA hoops team currently that's about to go in the tournament could be a high school recruit right now yeah um NBA all-star uh I think um gosh I mean does Trey Murphy count because he's already participated in the no that's my pick slam dunk competition I think it's a good pick I think a guy like Malcolm, who's probably the most complete NBA Wahoo at the moment and will probably play a really significant role in, in a team that's competing for a championship this year. Congrats to, to yep. Dave Stipe and the Celtics. <laughs> He's just not going to be the all-star type, which is picked in the first couple months of the season. He's not going to be putting up the monster numbers. No. Um, Dre certainly has that capability. Um, My answer when we talked to Zach about this in November was Reese Beekman. 
mm-hmm. in two or three years. Maybe not two or three, maybe five. But still, I think that he has what it takes to become an elite NBA guard. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think the question for Reese is um, shooting, um, and he's dialed that in um, a little bit this year. But um, And injuries now. And injuries. He can get to the rack, though, man, and, and, and he, he yams on people. Um, he takes no prisoners, and, and he's ACC Defensive Player of the Year. So I, I don't know if, and I hate to feed this narrative, I don't know if we have the, the flashy guys playing for Coach Bennett who are going to go and uh You know who I think it could be, Ryan Dunn. Ryan Dunn, certainly, the he's got the prototype NBA body. Um, I, I think you're right about that. I, this isn't selfish, but I think he would uh, be well-served to spend uh, maybe two more years in college. That would be sure delightful. So. Sure, uh, sure hope it's in a... Not orange and blue, but I guess now white and blue uniform. Oh, the, those <laughs> unis, man. Um, those East Bay, Penn State unis. I yeah. will, uh, <laughs> leave a little to be desired. I feel like when it comes to transitioning like from Virginia basketball into the NBA, though, it's a slow burn just like it is in the college, it, it, like for, for the those players coming into college. Joe Harris wasn't winning three-point contests his rookie year. I mean, he was almost out of the league before Brooklyn brought him back in. And... and you know, and you just take a look around too. I mean, like Malcolm had Rookie of the Year locked up, but still, it was like a while before he had like that. Oh, we're going to make this guy like a permanent starting fixture in the NBA, and we're kind of seeing the same kind of evolution with with Ty. It's just like you know he was struggling to carve out a role in the NBA, and all of a sudden now you like look at like it feels like every single time they show the bench, it's just Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, and Ty Jerome. Are, those three people are sitting right next to each other on the bench, and it just shows you that Ty's development is coming along in the NBA because I think Coach Bennett is looking for really intelligent players that are going to be able to like be really strong basketball minds, which means over time they're going to learn exactly what they need to be doing in the league, and that doesn't necessarily transition translate to being an NBA All Star, but it translates to guys playing ten to fifteen years in the league. Yeah, and I think that is something that. It, it, in my opinion, should be a huge recruiting tool for Virginia basketball. I agree. Be like, yeah, you're not going to be a one and done guy here. We're not going to be just sending like Tatum and Zion. It's just it's just this rotating cast of NBA All Stars through the program. But what we are going to do is set you up to be a basketball player that's going to play for ten to fifteen years if you're that guy. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't wish ill on people, uh, not even on the guys who don't uh, choose to go to Virginia. But I do take note of a bunch of guys who say, uh, you know, Virginia was in the final five, but they don't play fast enough or something like this. Yep. And then they don't have the career of these guys like Ty and Malcolm and yep. DeAndre. And um, we we sure do claim Trey, even if he was only in Charlottesville for a year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. It, it might not be the flashy guy, but it's the guy who has a, a, a well-rounded – game as coach would tell you is a sound and continuous yeah. game yep. Yep. um take a look at sam hauser there you go sam uh carved out a role for himself and on, on on a celtics team that is stacked and loaded with guards and he plays consistent minutes every single game and at one point was the highest like the highest plus minus rating in the nba for a hot moment yeah. you know like it's 
again, it's sound and consistent basketball. Like if 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 a program is building up players to know that, that when they're going into the NBA, GMs and coaches want to know that like, hey, my stars are going to have off nights, and I'm going to need my bench to pull big minutes. And if you've got a guy like Sam Hauser who knows how to defend, like ball, like on ball and knows how to like just rotate through defenses because that is all of what Virginia basketball is designed on. It's like, I'm going to make you a sound defender and a thorough basketball player so that no matter where you end up, you're going to be a contributor on a team. And I think that's just a huge benefit of what Virginia basketballs can teach, can teach their players. Yep. Um, so we'll close it out with this, which is a question that we ask every person that comes on the show. Uh, what is one great piece of advice that someone has given you and you would like to share with the rest of the world? Uh, it can be about anything. It can be about your profession. It can be about life. It can be about whatever you want. Um, let me uh, let me try to remember exactly what he said. But there was a teacher named Jack Rossi who um, who really encouraged me to step outside my comfort zone. Now, that's not going to be the first time you've ever heard that advice. But I was the kid in school who sat in the back row, um, back corner, if at all possible, and didn't speak up, was petrified to say anything. I was a fine student, but I, um, I, um, I don't know whether it was, uh, performance anxiety or what. I didn't want to go talk in, in front of, uh, 10 people or, or now at times, um, 40,000, even if it's through a microphone. But um, Mr. Rossi, my senior year, he said, uh, or my junior year, he said, go run for um, student class president. And I said, "My, you have lost your ever-loving mind. I can't even talk in your English class. <laughs> and um, he just said, do it, do it, do it. He kept pushing me to do it. And um, somehow, some way, uh, he convinced me and I did it. And I was in that role and we had assemblies maybe three days out of the week, which um, two of us, there were two co-presidents that, that we, we ran those meetings in front of the entire school in an auditorium, not unlike this. And um, this is a little gross, but for the first three months, I would get sick before every single one of those assemblies because I was so freaking nervous. And um, little by little, I, I got more comfortable with it um, and became um, proud of myself, which I don't say to sound self-important, but, you know, I was the shy, introverted kid who then proved to himself he could do something he didn't think he could do. And um, I've always remembered that teacher and that encouragement and that year-long experience and have really relied upon it. Um, to do other things uh, moving forward, um, uh, whether it be other public speaking things or this podcast where there are um, bright lights and cameras for some reason. I guess that reason is YouTube, but it never quite clicked <laughs> with me while we were doing a podcast with cameras all around. Um, and the microphones and the big audience and the relatively high stakes, much more so for Chris than for me. Um, but push your limits. Um, I can, I'll sound like a, uh, like a Pinterest motivational board, but, but push the limits and, um, get out of your comfort zone, all the, the cliched stuff. Um, 
because uh, failure is no problem. Everybody's going to fail, you know, get back up and, and try again. Uh, the, the wrong decision is better than indecision, better than no decision. Yeah. So all that good stuff. Get off the sidelines. Get in the game. That's great. Well, now is the time if you want to. You can plug Greenlight Pod. You can plug your real estate. Uh, you can find Greenlight where you're listening to this podcast. So check it out if you want to hear more from Macon and Chris. Yeah. And I typically encourage people not to listen, which is interesting, <laughs> um, especially those who I encounter um, in what I consider to be my, my real life and real estate. Um because at times, and I'm joking, but at times the content is uh, sophomoric. <laughs> um, we we try to entertain, but really what we are is we are back in high school. Maybe not even high say, school. It's just a regression podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're more like back to middle school with it um, and just trying to make each other laugh. And, um, and, and we have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's Green Light Pod. It's... Um, it's uh, now two days a week, thankfully, in the off season. We're three days a week during the NFL season, but because of of Chris and his star power, we get um, we get a lot of neat guests. Um, so yeah, check us out. Um, they're long, so buckle in. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes I have to listen like over the course of a week, and yeah, yeah, I can't listen at all. There are far too many ums and uhs. I'm sure I've said too many ums and uhs today. Um, I can't stand listening to myself i know most people have that issue yep uh but yeah green light pod um wherever you find your pods and if you want to uh buy or sell a house (laughs) google me the all all the information's out there awesome well we really appreciate you taking the time come chat with us uh congrats on all your success and thank you i love it I, i will say uh thank you guys this is uh an awesome environment for a pod you guys are doing a great job and asking great questions uh, I am much more relaxed here than I ever am in <laughs> Studio J um, at at the Greenlight Pod. Um, that might be the really hot lights that are that are bearing down on us there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys. Job well done. Thank you. Thank you. And I I want to say personally too, like to say thank you for coming because I think what you just bring an example of to uh, young people who are just heading out into the world is like you have done such an extraordinary job of carving out a life for yourself in a, in a unique way that really fits who you are. And I feel like that's what, like, I really want these guys to be able to get out of this is just like, as you, as you leave the world, like you can imagine what life to be like and to do. And then you have the ability to go and accomplish those things. You just have to have trust and faith and belief in yourself and support system of people around you. And like, I think you're a perfect example of just how you can come out to the world and, and, and carve out a life for yourself. Cause I mean, when I met you, like Macon was literally just graduating UVA when I started working for Virginia broadcasting. And so, he was literally fresh out of school and he was doing a radio show with our other friend who was another podcaster named Mike Biseglia and they were on at probably like 10 p.m. on WINA and probably had a dozen listeners you know what I mean and just to see your 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 path that you carved for yourself is is like that's that's the thing that just makes me so happy to be able to have you come here and talk is like is you've done you've, you've set such, such a good example of like how to do that for other people so, well said thank well you. said thanks man I appreciate it yeah uh, I'll, I'll quickly say that that gig with you on the Virginia Sports Network that paid about zero dollars. Not even about. I'm pretty sure it was a zero. Hoops, <laughs> hoops was zero dollars. Yeah, yeah. Football yeah. a couple of bucks, but hoops was zero dollars. 
and I couldn't have been any happier because I, I was so close to what I I love. And so payment was getting to sit courtside next to Tony Bennett during Virginia basketball. I mean, like no doubt about it. I t- like I'm coaching my kids like basketball team basketball team now, and like you know, 15 years ago I would have had absolutely no business even coaching a U12 basketball program. But the amount that you get to learn just through osmosis is just sitting there is a lot and so yeah that's payment enough right yeah 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 and and it opened up All doors I, well it, it made me learn a little bit about that that business that realm um the audio medium and and now we're doing the now we're doing this now we're doing this now we're doing podcasts and it's working out so yeah thank you i appreciate absolutely that. that's man. awesome well thank you again we really appreciate it thank you everybody so much for tuning into that amazing conversation we just had with Macon Gunter, who is a realtor, uh, former uh, right-hand man on the UVA Sports Radio Network. Uh, He currently does the Green Light Pod with NFL superstar Chris Long. I mean, he's just a do-it-all guy, and it was really fun to talk to him. Soren, um, I appreciate all the great input you had in that conversation, and I think it it went really well. Yeah. I learned about real estate. Now I kind of want to be a real estate agent. But one thing I do want to learn, Ben, is what tweet of the week you've had because you've been hyping this up ever since yesterday. <laughs> ever since yesterday. Ever since yesterday. Yes. So this is from a person on Twitter called Cat Grapham. I've heard of this person before, Cat but. Cat Graph? Cat Grapham. Huh. At C A T G A F F A M. To cat Grapham. Okay. Uh, this tweet is from May of 2019, so it's about four years old now. Okay. Um, but it has 85,000 likes and 15,000 retweets, so okay. it's gone pretty off the rails. It says as follows: Petition to name mini golf just golf and golf, large golf. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But then I also thought that that could spark up some conversation on what are some other things that are ill-named. Like, for example, I thought of the butterfly. The butterfly, yes, it does fly, but it's not made out of butter. Do you have any ideas, Soren? No. Okay. I I don't know how to think of ill-named things. I'm Um, thinking like ice cream because... I can think of things that are named properly. Like like what? The blueberry. It's a... It's blue and it's a berry. Now, I will propose you one better with the blueberry. How about the strawberry? There's berry, but it, there's no straw to it. Hmm. Here's another. Here's a, I, this is the word that fits. It's like persona, a stick. Hmm. It's just a stick. I like that. Stick. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, I'm trying to think of more that could be, like, super obvious that it's that. I think blueberries at the top of my list, though. That's awesome. Blueberry. Stick. I thought I saw like a video about this. but uh, It's just an interesting thing to ponder, as always. But mini golf. Um, I like mini golf as mini golf because it's the course is like a mini golf course. Like, I think it fits it perfectly. Golf came before mini golf. And mini golf is a smaller version of golf. Where there's obstacles, bunkers. But wouldn't it be fun to just call that golf and call the other golf large golf? Just like a roll reversal? I don't know. It's kind of like 
it gets stuck in my mouth, I guess. Large golf. Like mini golf. Golf. Yeah, yeah I mini get golf, what you're saying, mini golf, mini golf, mini golf. Large golf, large golf, large golf. I don't know. It's a cool, it's a cool like, I guess. Exercise to think about. Sure. Like a microphone. What does a microphone? I mean, that's like a meaningless word unless you have like. It actually makes no sense. A, a microphone makes notion. stuff louder. Yeah. Which is bigger. Yeah. Soren, what is your quote for this week? I want to stay on track here, <laughs> getting a good score. I think I'm doing well recently. So yeah. let's hear what you have to say about this quote. I got a Star Wars quote today because I was feeling it, and everyone knows Star Wars. Sure. This quote is either the one and only Yoda Ooh. or the big man General Grievous. Uh-huh. Do you, Do you know, know which movie this is from? This is from the uh, second movie. Okay. Ready for the quote? Ready. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Is this Yoda or General Grievous? Uh, I don't think this is Yoda because Yoda is kind of weird. So I'm going to say that this is General Grievous. Um, and I think it's a pretty astute quote. Very uh, astutely minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, very ad- adept. Uh, so I think that this is General Grievous for the win. For the win? For the win. Do you want to break it down a little bit more, Ben? Why do you think it's not Yoda? Well, like I think that the way he talks, maybe th- this may be like a super wise sentiment and uh-huh. quote, which is true. But Yoda, as is very famously noted, talks very weirdly. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So I don't think this sounds like somewhat normal English. So therefore, I think it's General Grievous. And, you know, General makes a great point here. Locking it in. Locking it in. Ben, you're wrong. This I tried to one quote where he doesn't like talk really weird, yeah. so they would throw you off. And I picked a really, really far out there character. Throw you well, off a little bit. They are in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Jeez. Well, <laughs> Ben, you've you've lost the streak. Back to one. Back to one. Eh? Or back to zero, actually. To the good old times. Pre season two, season one, Ben was. Ben was on a a long streak of L's. It's true. And now he's back to that streak. All ben, right. do we have a quick question this week? I do. I have a great quick question. So, as you may know, I am a big fan of candy. Really like candy. Yep. So, my question for you, Soren, is if you had to pick only one candy to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Okay. I was super excited when Ben asked me this. I actually totally forgot about this question. He asked me this on Monday, and I said I won't tell him because it's going to be on the show, of course. And Ben, the candy I would pick, so it can be like it could be a pack of candy that's always on a shelf. It can be whatever you want. Harry Bow Star Mix. Nice. Huge assortment, so you never get tired of it. They're all in one bag so that you never get sick of the one candy you have to eat for the rest of your life. So a nice assortment of the star mix would be perfect. You've got the Coke, the cherry, regular gummy bear. Everything's in there, Ben. Well, I think I've said this before, but my go-to snack when I'm sitting on the couch watching TV or finishing some work up, sitting at the computer, is a small little container 
of about 50% M&M's, 50% Haribo gummy bears. Hmm. So because M&M's are not a candy, they're a chocolate, I would pick, I would keep those because I can't do that anyways. But I would have Haribo gummy bears anyways. Ben, because that's M&M's my, are a candy. That's not true. They're a they chocolate. are a candy. They're a chocolate. They are in the candy section of every single store. Yeah, but M&M's are a chocolate. So, Soren, you just looked it up. What did you find? The original candy has a semi-sweet chocolate filling upon introduction. Ben, I think this is why it's a candy. It's colorful, and it's got a sugar out, out coating. I see. Sugary coating, and it's colorful. So I can't have both. Can't have both. Nope. One or the other. Uh, I would pick M&M's. Go oh to. Oh, my gosh, Ben. Um, Can't go wrong with it. If you... If I... Can have M M&M. and I mean, I can't have any other type of chocolate. Yeah, no. But One candy. L- but like, what if I wanted a chocolate bar that doesn't have coating around it? Is that allowed? No, because the M and M's have the coating. You'd have to find a. Just like a normal chocolate, like if you just buy a Hershey's bar, it has no coating, no extra sugar, just chocolate. Well, I can look that up. <laughs> Let's see if a Hershey bar is a candy. So, what'd you find this time? Hershey bar is a candy. I see. So, I think... So, chocolate falls under candy category, which uh, falls under sweet treats. This is tough. Uh, I think I might stick with my pick of M&M's. Okay. Even though, you know, there's some good ones out there, like Swedish Fish or Gummy Bears or Sour Patch or, you know, just a number of candies. As yeah. I said, a real big proponent and real big joyer of candy. Yeah. Well, that's a good pick. M&M's, colorful, all day time. I bet you can play a little game with M&M wanted to if you get bored. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is so colorful. Yeah, sure. Star Mix, I feel like that's an undefeated pick. Large variety. This has been the Paper Thin Thoughts Podcast. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform and leave a question and a rating That question could potentially be answered in a following episode. As always, I'm Soren Postills, accompanied by Ben Rikosh. This is Paper Thin Thoughts. Keep up the thin thoughts. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Paper Thin Thoughts is produced by the Shotsville High School Podcasting Network. Executive producers are Jen Horn and Dave Stipe. Senior producers are Ben Rikosh and Soren Postills. This episode was edited and mixed by Dave Stutt and Ben Rikosh. Music is produced and created thanks to Jacob Lightborn, Miss Waters, and the entire CHS music production team. Thank you to Mr. Rashad Pitt and the rest of the CHS faculty and staff for the support. PTT out.